Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. What an exciting season, what God is doing here at Encounter Church. And it is my privilege today to share another message from God's wonderful word. Who's ready for the word? As usual, if you'd like a printout of today's outline of my notes, it's out there um, in the lobby as usual. You can grab one now, grab one later, or not grab one if you don't care. But the outline is there for you. And uh, can you believe we're in August? Somebody said, I know it's August. It feels like it out there the past few days, right? August 2020, in this entire year, what a year it has been for the world, for the church, we never could have imagined back before the beginning of 2020 that when we said, we felt God spoke to us, 2020 is the year to get solid. Come on, say solid. solid. That it would be our year-long theme. The theme of 2020 is solid. And we've been learning biblical foundations for strong disciples. And all year long, we've been learning and saying that, practicing Practicing God's word makes me strong. And I don't know about you, but I've been really strengthened by what God has been speaking to us this year. And today, we're going to start our new series. Last week, we ended our series on the family of God, right? And today, we're going to start our new series called Plugged In. Turn to somebody and say, you got to plug in. For the rest of this month, okay... We're going to be learning how to get and stay connected to the life and the power of God. Who wants to get connected and stay connected to the life of God? I don't know about you, but I don't want to just experience the life of God and the power of God here and there in certain moments. I want to get connected and I want to stay connected. Come on, somebody, tell somebody, you got to get plugged in. So, when I was a kid, I learned the power of plugging in in a very precarious way. So, well, before I get to that little story, when you have an electrical appliance with a power cord, if you want it to work, what do you got to do? Plug it in, plug it in. Okay, some of you are too young to even know that commercial. All right. Plug it in. You got to plug it into the socket, right? Or some people say socket. Some people say outlet, right? I like the word socket because it sounds like, I don't know, more powerful. Socket, you got to sock it to you, right? So if you want your electrical appliance with a power cord to work, you've got to plug it into the socket, right? So I, I remember this very vividly. I was probably three or four years old. And um, um, I... I had a pair of toenail scissors. I don't know where I got them. I, I shouldn't have had them, but somehow I found the toenail scissors. And I proceeded to plug those toenail scissors into the wall socket in our living room. And um, let's just say I was shocked. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Woo! That's been about 30 
six years ago, and I still can remember the feeling of plugging in those toenail scissors into the socket, right? It was powerful. And I never did it again. <laughs> you know, that's not the thing we want to plug in, but there are a lot of things that you have to plug in, right? I mean, just to make breakfast, maybe a blender or a toaster or whatever, your stove, definitely want your refrigerator plugged in, right? But electrical appliances have amazing potential that is absolutely useless if they're not plugged in, right? You ever, I have, have you ever stuck a piece of bread in the toaster and put it down and it doesn't do anything? It, it, actually, it just pops back up. It doesn't do anything because it's not plugged in. Now, the toaster has all the potential in the world to make my delicious toast, but if it isn't plugged in, ain't no toast going to come out, right? Many things in life, especially many things in our spiritual life, have great potential power, but the only way to experience that power is to plug in. Come on, tell somebody now. you got to plug in. So we're going over the next um, few weeks. You're going to be hearing three words a lot. These words are going to be repeated, okay? Because these are the three things I felt like the Holy Spirit said. Let's teach the church to plug in to this, okay? And these are the words. Pray, worship, wait. Can we say that? Pray, worship, wait. One more time. God wants us to plug into the power of prayer, worship, and this one might be a surprise, but it's so powerful, waiting on him, waiting on the Lord. If you've been to any of the recent Wednesday nights, we've been experiencing the power of waiting on the Lord. Even a few minutes ago here in worship, you know, typically we're transitioning our service about 1125 but it was like we just had to wait a few extra minutes in his presence to hear what he's saying, to pray what he's wanting us to pray, to do what he's wanting us to do. So we're going to be examining all of this about praying, worshiping, and waiting. Come on one more time. Pray, worship, wait. The first thing we must plug into is prayer, okay? The title of today's message is simply, Pray. Pray, okay? Today, from Luke chapter 18, we are going to discover three prayer sockets, right? Or outlets. We're going to learn what Jesus taught his disciples. In fact, I want you to, to really look at this closely. Luke 18 is more than just principles about prayer, or truths about prayer that we could learn and it would be great to know it. No, the three things Jesus teaches his disciples in Luke 18 about prayer are literally what we need to plug our prayer life into. Literally, it's an invitation to plug ourselves into a lifestyle of powerful prayer. 
So who's ready to learn about the power of plugging into prayer? Good. And if you're not ready, I hope you'll be ready soon because here we go. You ready to go to the word? Today I'm going to preach um, in, in, in reverse order of what I normally teach you guys. Normally we read a scripture and then we see what God is saying in the scripture and we get the points, right? But today I'm going to go to the scripture and we're going to discover a point in each scripture. So we're going to pause after uh, uh, different sections of the scriptures. Is that cool? It's all going to be from Luke 18, and it actually goes in order because Jesus is giving one big, long lesson on plugging into prayer, okay? So let's start with Luke chapter 18, verse 1, and as I read it, try to discover what the socket is he's inviting us to plug into, all right? Ready to go? Have it on the screen, or you can follow along in your own Bible if you want. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he, someone who is totally the opposite of what God is like, even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Notice what they're doing, though. They're what? Crying out to him. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But. But. When the Son of Man returns. Jesus was referring to himself, right? How many will he find on earth who have faith it's like jesus i thought we were talking about prayer you're talking about faith yes prayer socket number one that we've got to plug into does anybody think you know what it is number one don't give up which equals faith i'll get to that in a minute (laughs) the first thing If we're going to have a powerful prayer lifestyle, if our prayers are going to be powerful and produce powerful results, the first thing we got to plug into is don't give up. We call that persistence, right? Don't give up. Tell somebody, you just can't give up. Don't give up. So how do I plug my prayers into the power? Don't give up praying. Why? Because not giving up keeps our prayers plugged in. When I give up, it's like unplugging the prayer. The first thing we got to do is just set it, settle it in our heart and in our mind. I will not give up praying, period. Never, ever, ever give up, right? Because, you know, sometimes we just give up way too quickly on our prayers. I know I have. Have you ever been praying for something and you're like, look, I already prayed seven weeks on this and it doesn't seem like anything is happening. And so maybe I just 
moving along. You just kind of want to forget about it, brush it under the rug or whatever. Listen, I was thinking the other day, what if, what if I've been praying for 37 weeks for the same thing? And the answer was going to come in week 38. But you know what? I got tired at week 37 and day 6. And I gave up on praying. What a shame if I could look back and go, I was literally, listen, what if you're just one prayer away? What if? Sometimes answered prayer comes like that. Sometimes it's like this where Jesus said, This woman literally was wearing the judge out with her constant request. Have you ever prayed for something so much that you're like, I must be wearing God out? Like, I've asked for this for so so many times and for so long. By now, he must be tired of hearing this. Guess what? He's not. He's not. In fact, you literally might be one prayer away, one day away, one week away, one more month of pressing through in prayer away. Don't give up. Now, tell somebody, you can't give up, though. Don't give up. Jesus equates faith with not giving up in prayer. Jesus literally equates it. He he says this whole thing about not giving up in prayer. And then he says, but when I come, will I even find people that have faith? Jesus, one of, and this is not the full definition of faith, but one of the ways God sees our faith, one of the main ways we exercise our faith is by not just praying, but by praying and praying and praying and praying and not giving up on prayer. Because not giving up on prayer is really just not giving up on Him. It's not so much the power of prayer as it is the power of God that comes through prayer. Can't give up, though. Not giving up in prayer equals faith. Persistence. Get this in your heart today. Persistence, not giving up, is a matter of a trusting heart that believes God will come through at just the right time. Praying and not giving up is a matter of a heart that trusts. God, you will come through and you won't be early and you won't be late. You'll be just on time. If I'm not going to give up, I'm going to have to trust. I'm going to have to trust that he might need me to pray one time. And he might want me to pray seven times. He might want me to pray 777 times. But that he knows exactly at what moment the answer needs to come. And my faith is simply being expressed through, I'm not giving up on you. I'm not giving up on this that I know is your will. I'm not giving up on this promise. I'm not giving up on this because the word of God says it. So I'm not going to give up. I recently heard the testimony of a lady, a mom. This is wild, okay? Y'all ready? A mom who had uh, her, her son, as a baby, had had some sort of seizure or something that had happened and had left him basically a, a vegetable, okay? And just 
couldn't even live a normal life, was in bed most of the time. They had to do everything for him. And she believed God could heal him. And it said, the testimony goes like this. For three straight years, every single night, she'd walk over to her son in the bed, and she would say, you're going to get up, you're going to be healed, you're going to live a normal life. Every, come, can you imagine three years and nothing, N- not anything, he was no better, period. And then all of a sudden, she was awakened three years later, one morning, by the sound of someone perfectly playing the piano. They had a piano in their house. She walks into the room where the piano is, and her little boy not only had awakened, but he was absolutely, totally normal and knew how to perfectly play the piano. What if she would have given up after two years, 11 months, and 30 days? I don't know what would have happened, but I know what did happen because she didn't give up. I want to tell you today, don't give up. What that thing that you believe God has spoken to you, that thing that you see in the Bible that you know is true, moms and dads that are praying for, for your kids, those of you that are praying for your families, your friends, your impossible situations, breakthrough. Whatever. You just saw testimonies of what God has done uh, when we encounter Jesus. But listen, so many things happen when we just don't give up on praying. Now turn to somebody one more time and tell them, don't give up. It's worth it. Faith. Before I move on to the second one, listen. Faith is more than just believing God enough to pray. Faith is not giving up on believing God even when prayers aren't answered as quickly or in the way you thought they should be. Ready for number two? Let's keep on reading now. We're in verse nine. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like all those other people. Cheaters, sinners, and adulterers. And I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. Oh, we laughed. We might be laughing nervously. (laughs) Pride is a bad, stinky thing. I fast twice a week. I'm spiritual. I can almost hear him say without saying it, I deserve. I deserve you to answer my prayer because I'm good and I do spiritual things. Okay? I fast twice a week and I give my tithes. Turn to somebody and say, whoop-de-doo. All right. We should fast and we should give our tithes, by the way. But that is the wrong attitude in prayer. I'm good, so I deserve. But the tax collector stood at a distance. And he dared not even lift his eyes up to heaven as he prayed. 
Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You want to plug your prayers into the power? Socket number two is brokenness. Brokenness. God, let's just, let's just get our hearts around this, all right? God rejects prideful prayers. But he can't resist humble prayers. Do you want to pray and have your prayers hit the ceiling and just fall right back down? Or do you want God to hear from heaven and answer you? God rejects prideful prayers. He rejects them. I don't know if they go into his bottle of rejected prayers or what. I don't know what happens to them, but they don't make it. But God can't resist humble prayers. Prideful prayers don't even pass the roof. But brokenness basically says this. God, I need you. Now that's easy to say. But do we say that in our heart? Because a lot of people walk around, a lot of Christians, they might sing songs that say, God, I need you. They might even pray prayers that, God, that say, God, I need you. But the way we live our life shows in no way that we really need God because I guess we just kind of got it all together. Or I, I'll, I'll, I'll get it figured out. Brokenness says, demonstrates God, I need you. I don't just like you. I don't just think you're awesome. I need you. Like I can't without you. Brokenness says, I don't have it all together. A good question to ask yourself, and I ask myself this often. Am I depending on God or myself? God-reliance or self-reliance? Because self-reliance can be very subtle. We can talk the Christian talk. We can come to every service. We can lift our hands. We can dance. We can sing. We can serve. We can do it all. But if it's just, I kind of just, I'm doing it in my own Ability, because I kind of have all, it all together. You know what happens a lot of times when people have it all together or appear to have it all together? Something comes and something happens and it shows you, you don't have it all together. And I hope it doesn't take that always for us to get to that point. You know, we'll either be broken before God or we will be broken. Something will break you. The sad thing is, is I've seen people go through life and they're not really plugged into God. And something terrible comes along and it breaks them. They still don't go to God. They still don't depend on him. They still try to pick up the broken pieces, put it together and rely on themselves and to try to make it happen. Listen, that, 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 that don't plug into God's power. <laughs> That is like having a vacuum cleaner 
that has all the potential to clean up all the cereal your kids just spilled. But you, listen, you refuse to plug the vacuum cleaner in and use it, and you insist on bending down and picking up all 7,000 Cheerios from the floor or Lucky Charms. That's right. Can we just say, I don't have it all together? <laughs> Brokenness says this, I'm undeserving, but I believe you are good. Have mercy on me. Can you say that? Have mercy on me. Sometimes we don't ask for mercy because we forget that we need it. Just remember who God is. Like, just take a time every day and remember who almighty God is. Who literally could just go, and just, we're all fried. We're out of here. Remember, we have all sinned and fallen short of his glory. And we all deserve hell. We all deserve eternal judgment. But in his mercy, he came to save us. And sometimes we forget who we're dealing with. So we kind of act like we have it all together. Or we don't have it all together, but we still don't plug in. Come on, somebody say, have mercy on me. Broken people receive God's compassion. This man we see here in Luke 18, he received compassion from God. He received mercy. Does anybody need God's compassion in your life? Lord knows I do. Look at what Psalm 34, 18 says. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. You want to be close to God? Have a heart, a spirit that's broken. That's Not brokenhearted as in I'm always sad and depressed. That's not what this is. Brokenness means... I don't and can't have it all together unless you put me together. You want to be close to him? You want him to be close to you? Let's be broken. All right, now tell somebody you haven't talked to. I made you talk 17 times already, but tell somebody, don't give up. And, and now tell them, be broken. Y'all ready for the third and final one? Let's keep on reading. Now we're in verse 15. One day, some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. As if Jesus could be bothered by kids. Just a side note. You guys know that when we're in the middle of worship and the Spirit of God is here and moving, and if a baby cries or, a, or walks up on the stage with his daddy, <laughs> listen, Jesus, I mean, of course, we're, we're, we're going to teach our kids to worship and respect the presence of God and all that, but listen, Jesus isn't bothered by children. I have to remind myself of that all the time. Because if you've met mine, 
Some people get uncomfortable. I'm just going to say it. Some people get uncomfortable because the little kids come up here and they're dancing and playing and singing. And yes, you've probably seen me tell Oliver, especially Oliver, not that, dance, sing, all that. But yeah, it's not time to like throw Anna down on the ground or something like that. Okay, but listen. Oh, it's happened. But God, he's not bothered by kids. We've got to learn to not be bothered by them. We've got to learn to enjoy Jesus and his presence and his power and worship and listening to him and all that. Even when a baby whines. Even when I have to say no. Especially then. That was another whole sermon. Let's keep going with prayer. All right. One day, some parents brought little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw it, they scolded the parents for bothering him. And then Jesus just called for the children and said to his disciples, let the kids come to me. I think that's exactly how he said it. Let the children come to me. What is your problem? Kid haters? Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I've heard people misread this and misteach this, that the kingdom of God belongs to children. The kingdom of God, of God doesn't belong to just children. It belongs to everyone who is like children. Okay? I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Socket number three that you need to plug your prayers into so that they'll have great power is childlikeness. Don't give up brokenness and childlikeness. Kids don't worry about form or fashion, now do they? Have you ever noticed? Kids don't worry about form or fashion. Guess who else doesn't worry about form or fashion? When it's genuine, guess who doesn't worry about form or fashion? Jesus. God doesn't worry about form or fashion when it's genuine. Let me, let, 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 me, let, me, let me try to explain it like this, okay? Those of you that have kids know this. Those of you that don't have kids but you've ever been around a kid or even seen a kid, has everyone ever seen a child in the room? Okay. <laughs> kids do things that only kids do. Kids First of all, and, 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 and as I'm saying this, I want you to think about God, okay? I know it's funny, but this is so serious. Kids get close. Kids ask, and kids receive. Now, kids get close, uncomfortably close. Again, if you have kids, you know it. If you have grandparents, uh, if you have grandkids, you know it. If you have nieces or nephews, you know it. If you've ever been around a child, period, you know that kids get close, even to the point where you're like, space, personal space between you and me. I have a problem. Every single time we sit down to eat at a restaurant, Oliver puts his feet on me every time without, without fail. 
It doesn't matter if he's right next to me. Somehow he gets his foot up on me. It doesn't matter if he has shoes on, shoes off. It doesn't matter if he's sitting all the way across the table. Somehow he gets his foot on. I don't know what it is. I think it's just he's trying to connect with me or something. But sometimes it's like, stop. Could you just get your feet off me? Like my, my clothes. You, do you know where your shoes have been? Kids get uncomfortably close. You can get that close to God and he ain't uncomfortable. He's not threatened. He's not bothered by how close up you try to get to him. Kids also ask for everything, right? I have another problem. My kids want everything all the time. And they've yet to grasp fully the concept of money. And so there are many times when they will say, I would like this, and especially Oliver. I'm, I'm, you're going to watch this later, son, and I'm not picking on you, okay? <laughs> He'll say, I want this, and I'll say, baby... I don't have the money for that. And he'll say, well, go get some more. <laughs> go buy some more. Go buy some more money. Oh, it, can't you just go to the bank and get some more? Just use your card. <laughs> it's like, you don't understand. <laughs> But kids ask for everything and anything. But you know why? Oliver probably actually thinks I have all the money. And I can get anything. Let me tell you, we have a daddy who has all the money and everything. Ask freely. Ask freely like a child. That's not responsible to ask the Lord for that. Well, then miss out. <laughs> Kids get uncomfortably close. I'm almost done. Kids ask for everything without reservations. And kids freely just receive without reservations, right? I mean, I've never, ever, ever met a child that you give them a present. And they're like, oh, are you sure I deserve this? <laughs> Daddy, I haven't earned that. Even if you've taught them they need to earn it. If you give them a gift, they ain't worried about it. What are they going to do? Tear into it. Kids just freely receive. Now listen. This is a picture of how we ought to pray. How we ought to relate. We ought to get as close to God till we actually think, I might be making him uncomfortable. But you're not. Ask and be okay with whatever and whenever the answer comes. But just ask. Just ask. And then when he blesses you, just receive it. Don't ask questions. 
Don't wonder if you've deserved it or not. Newsflash, you haven't deserved it. Newsflash, I haven't earned it. The only thing I've done is ask and not given up. There's a very important difference as we get ready to close. There's a very, very important difference between being childish and childlike. When we grow up and become adults, we put away childish things, right? Right? We need to speak in tongues for a minute. Right? Okay. There's a very big difference between being childish or another word for that is immature and childlike. Get this. We call somebody childish because they're not a child but act like a child. Right? You don't call a child childish because they're a child. Of course they're child. They're not childish. They're children. If you call your child childish, well, hello. I hope they're not old man-ish. But we say, have you ever said, good gosh, he is so childish. But they're like 43 years old. Wow, how childish you are. You're driving a car, acting like a child. See, there's a difference between being immature, childish, and being childlike. What's the difference? A childlike person is someone who is mature, but has retained certain pure qualities of a child. So they're not children anymore, but they're like children in the good sense of the word. Pure. Open. Confident, trusting. I'm about to turn 40 years old, but I still believe that God, my Father, has all the stuff and all the money and the answer to every prayer. And He has gifts for me that He wants to give me. And he likes when I ask him. I'm old enough and matured enough to know God already knows everything. He knows what I need. But he still wants me to come like his child and ask him freely and confidently. A childlike person can just come to Jesus without reservations, and receive everything from God without complications. Childlike prayer asks and receives. This is it. Get this last one. Childlike prayer asks and receives simply because Jesus said we could. We ask and we receive and enjoy everything from God. Just because he said we could. I know I keep going back to this. But I've also 
never experienced one of my children saying, Daddy, let's go to Anna now because I've picked on Oliver too much. Can I have a new cabbage patch, kid? <laughs> on the inside, Daddy's going, you've got 23 already. What do you want to do with another one? Like, sure. If you uh, do all your schoolwork this week, and Mommy tells me that you've obeyed in school, at the end of the week, I'll get you a new Cabbage Pack kit. Not one time has Anna asked me, could you show me your bank account and prove that you have the funds to buy my Cabbage Patch kid? There's no complications. There's just trust. I said it, so I'm going to do it, right? But how often do we try to get God to, like, prove he can answer our prayer? We may not say it, but we think it. Are your prayers plugged in today? This has been challenging me. This has been plugging me more in. Respond to the Lord today. Are your prayers plugged in? Come on, let's just say, don't give up. Brokenness. Childlikeness. Maybe you ought to confess it like this. I won't give up. Come on, somebody. I won't give up. I'm broken. I need you, God. I am childlike. I ask, receive, and enjoy with no reservations. I trust you, Father. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Holy Spirit. Teach me. Teach me to pray like this. before we move on into our ministry time I would like to know you know maybe you've never made the decision to follow Jesus maybe you've never been born again maybe at one point in your life you received Jesus but the truth is today you're not really following him you're far from God today is the day for you to come home Today is the day for you to be saved. If you've never been saved, today is the day to be saved. If you've been saved but you've been backslidden, today is the day to come home. So right now I want to invite everyone because this is so personal. You have to make a decision for yourself that no one else can make for you. If you wouldn't mind, just shut your eyes for a moment. Maybe bow your head. There's nothing magic in closing our eyes. But it helps us take a look on the inside and make it personal, make it real. If today you need to be saved, if you've never been forgiven of your sins, if you've never repented and turned away from sin and turned your heart to God, or if you have, but now you're not with Him,
you're far from him and you want to come back close to him today first of all you've got to plug into a relationship with God right there right now I can't pray a magic prayer for you to repeat to be saved or to come home you have to mean it you have to do it in your heart and you have to say it with your mouth the word of God says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the lordship of Jesus in our life we will be saved you've got to believe it in your heart Believe that he died for you on the cross, that he paid the price to redeem you, to heal you, to forgive you, to give you a new life. But you've also got to say it with your mouth. It's through our confession that we are saved. And so today I want to pray, I do want to pray a prayer, but it's not the repeating my prayer that will do anything. If you mean it and you confess it, you'll be forgiven. You'll be saved. You'll receive eternal life. If you've been far from God, you'll come back close to Him. So why don't we all together as a family, let's pray this prayer together. But if this really is for you, I want you to mean it. I want you to even use your own words. You can change the words if you want to. But something like this, let's pray together. Father, I come to you today, I believe you came to rescue me. Jesus, you came for me, you lived for me, you died for me, you went to the cross, you paid the price, you took upon yourself the punishment for my sin so that I could be forgiven and free. Jesus, I believe you died in my place. And I believe that you rose from the grave on the third day. You not only forgive me, but you defeated sin. And now you give me the power to be free from sin. I turn away from sin, from this world from every form of darkness. Jesus, save me, heal me, set me free. Today, I surrender to you. I give my life to you. I wanna follow you. I come home to the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, or you prayed totally different words, but you meant it. I believe you've been born again. Or if you are backslidden, you've come home. If you are far away, you've come close. And I can't think of any better way to end this service today than by just putting it into practice for a couple of minutes. So why don't we all just get to our feet? Pray, worship, wait. 
come on, let's just worship and wait a minute, and then we'll end in prayer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through His Word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.